Well, welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, it's uh, it's great to be back in studio. As you know, I was lo- visiting the lovely Joanne, which I have to tell you, she's moving out at the end of um, October. And I'm sitting there and I'm getting my closet in order. Because in my bedroom, I have a huge, two huge closets. And in the guest room, she's taking that closet over. But for some reason, I'm, I'm sort of a hoarder. I'm not like a hoarder. I'm like a hoard. I'm not like garbage and stuff like that but i collect clothes i actually was cleaning my closet out the other day i have two bags right now just t-shirts and i had stuff like from like eric gagne pitched for the dodgers and like when rio mabanias in the phillies so it was just crazy but i'm glad to be back in studio and uh luckily my guest today she could switch because i have to go to jury duty that's why i didn't record last week it was the first time since i was in the hospital last year that you didn't hear fresh new material and my guest was lucky enough to sit there and rearranged her schedule to come in today, Monday, even though we are on Wednesday. I usually record on Tuesdays. And it's funny how I got my guest because Patrick O'Sullivan, which I'm plugging him again, uh, he had mentioned her because she's in the walk-in show and we'll talk about that. And then Ari Gross was on. He sat there and talked about she was in a play with him. And then finally, this movie Lady Killers, Jamie Kaler's in, that mentioned it. And I was like, you know what? This girl has, knows too many people. It's just too coincidental. I have to get her on the show. So my guest is Lily Holloman. How you doing, Lily? Hello. Good. So glad to be here. I mean, you know what's funny? I, when, when, when it said Holloman, I, I think of Earl. Was it James Earl Holloman? The actor. Do you remember there was an actor? Um, uh-huh. That was Earl Holloman, I think. But you're yes. Holloman. Yes. Holloman. H-O-L-L-E-M-A-N. Okay. And you're L-I-L. Why? Yes, okay. like the flower. Do you know? Do you dislike people who spell like that's the perfect? That's the right way to spell. Do you don't like people who spell like L I L I? Well, L I L I is a little bit more European, so I sort of don't mind that as much. Um, and I don't mind any of the spellings, but I I am sensitive to people misspelling my name, and so I'm always very careful to study how people's names are spelled. See, that's good because I do that, and sometimes I'll screw up with like. Um, with auto thing when I post something from my phone I remember I had Maz Jabrani on and I, I put I said Max and someone goes it's not it's not Maz it's Maz it's Maz and then I had to sit there and then I feel bad and I know, you can't correct it like I posted on my college a picture of me and Ari and uh, my looks at a stock and alumni shirt on and I don't, I don't know what I think I put Ari Gold and that's the guy from Entourage right. and I'm like and they don't even spell Ari the same and it's just weird so now you're from D.C. I am now when you well, when you grew up when you were a kid did you know you wanted to eventually I mean, what, at what age did you decide to go into this field because you do what I've seen is you do both comedy and serious which, but you're a heavy hitter in both you're not like some people some people will do comedy then they'll branch into that some people do drama but it seems like you've been across the board the whole time yes at at what age did you think you wanted to get into this wonderful business (laughs) i was enamored with the art of storytelling since the very very beginning i mean i can't even recall when it started um generally i liked to kind of create this bubble in my room and create stories on my own or just Anything I could do, read stories, watch TV, watch movies. I was the youngest of three kids. So was and I. my siblings were much older. Did you have that as well? No, but my parents were older. It's weird. My, my brother was three years older. My sister was five years older. But my dad, when I was born, I think my dad was um, 
40, which back then, because I'll be 50 yeah, coming. Yeah, me too. That didn't happen because my yeah. mom, when she got out of college, she was one of the first female, let's say, yuppies. She got a marketing job. So she waited to have kids because back then you couldn't get a gene tonic when she was engaged. So it was weird. So so your how old was your uh, how old was your father when you were born? I think he was 44. Now, how what's the age difference with you and your... Seven and 10 years. Okay, that's... And so they were watching all this pretty inappropriate stuff for how old I was. Right. And there was absolutely no jurisdiction since I was the youngest. And But I kind of loved it. I mean, I my parents took me to Down and Out in Beverly Hills when I was six years old. See, that's cool. I think, you know, it's, uh, my parents were... Well, my parents got us into the arts. And as a kid, I hated it. Like, going to see... You know, the art museum in Philadelphia, you're going to see a play or going to see music, and I hated it. But then years later, it was so great because you could sit there and I knew who Monet, Monet was. You know, I knew who Degas was. I knew he painted ballerinas. And it's stuff, and it sticks in your mind. And as a kid, I hated it. I'm like, the ball game's on. You're like, no, we're going to see the music fair. But I remember seeing a play, The Unsinkable Molly Brown with uh, Tammy Grimes when I was like four, and I cried when they shot a gun. But it's crazy. Yeah. So were your parents into the arts, or were they, or did that just something you found on your own? I think my dad was an incredible storyteller. He was one of those men that could sit at the head of a dinner table and tell a story and have everybody's rapt attention, and people were crying with laughter. He was superbly talented. He was not quite courageous enough to actually pursue it for a living. I know he wanted to and was discouraged by his practical parents, which is understandable. And uh, my mom is a writer and she loves storytelling. She wrote two novels when I was a kid and she writes poetry now. And so there's always been a love of the arts and I'm the first to kind of trailblaze and do it for a living. So when you were in high school, did you get involved in plays? Or like, when did you start getting on stage? I mean, the storytelling, I mean, it's something that, you know, you can tell stories in a ball anywhere, you know? Yeah. But like, when did you start sitting there and really focusing? Well, when I was a little girl, I was tremendously shy. So I don't think I actually spoke for an entire year. <laughs> on my first year of nursery school, people thought I was kind of like this creepy little mute girl. I spoke very early in life and was very chatty at home, but sort of the out, outside world scared me a little bit. And so I would put on these shows by myself for my family. And then when it came to auditioning for something, I could do something perfectly okay. in my room by myself. And then when I would get up on stage in front of everybody, I would freeze up. So it's been a long journey of kind of slowly gaining the courage to just the audition process in general once I got the part it was easy but auditioning still to this day I mean I'm way better at it obviously but it's it's a different beast I've always said yeah people always say and you never know what happens when you go to an audition I mean you you know it's it's a open field you don't know what they want like I audition for this commercial and they're like well you know read it like this I'm like to myself because I write too I'm like it's no this isn't how it should be it was about some mascot and I wrote a movie about mascots and I'm like no it shouldn't be that way and they're like Boo. and I'm like then I did it my own way I didn't I didn't get a call back but when I saw the commercial they did it the way I did it because you, oh, you don't know yeah. because you you simply know so now now you're you're in, interested in storytelling now you go to college now you went to William and Lee is it no. Washington and Lee now where is that at 
Um, that's in Lexington, Virginia. It's a very old school. It was founded by George Washington because he wanted to have a school in the West. And then Robert E. Lee, after the Civil War, came in and took over as president. So it's extremely historical and beautiful little town, Lexington, Virginia. Um, as I was saying, actually in high school, I got into musicals and I gained a little bit more courage. I was Adelaide and Guys and Dolls and... I went to England, went to Oxford to study Shakespeare, okay. and then when I was in college, I did drama, but I also kind of knew that I was going to pursue acting, and so I wanted to have a more universal experience for college, which is why I went to sort of a liberal arts school with a lot of history in a small town, helped that my family also went there, my father had gone there, my sister, my uh, uncle, cousins, and... I just sort of wanted to know for four more years how the regular human race lives their life, okay. lives before joining the crazy artists for the rest of my life. So I majored in art history and learned all about that and loved that because it was an interest of mine. And then once I graduated, I started training in New York. Okay, so you went to New York. And now, what was your uh, first part you got in New York? I mean, was it, first of all, had you been to New York? I mean, because D.C. is very close to New York. Yes. Were you, was it a little scary moving to the Big Apple, or did you move in Manhattan? Where'd you move to? I actually, it was right after 9-11. Okay. So it was a little, a tad scary moving there. I had grown up, I always wanted to live there. I love New York. And I have family there. And so I moved there a year after 9-11, and the... The city had a strange quality about it back then. It was sort of empty and gray and sad. And we ended up getting a really good deal on an apartment in the West Village. Okay. And the beat poet Gregory Corso had actually died a couple days before and vacated this amazing apartment in the West Village. And we moved in. It's so weird that then you see like people talk about it on TV, but people do look at the obituaries because because it, it's so hard to get. I mean, my brother has lived in New York. I mean, him and his wife before his wife passed, they moved in there in like 1990. They're still in the same place in Midtown, and it's a great place. Yeah, it's one of the hardest things anyone can ever try to do is find a place to live in New York. It's crazy. Yeah. So you go to New York now. Do you start auditioning then, or what? What's your process? Because you went to school. Now you knew you wanted to get into acting, but yes. you, you didn't. You weren't using your degree when you got. What kind of jobs did you have when you got to New York? When I got to New York, I actually um, worked for my cousin who was in the seventh grade, and she has a disability and needed an aid to okay. go to school with her every day. She is a brilliant playwright and costume designer and was so at in seventh grade and as a result went to the professional children's school in new york which is where professional children go right. where kid <laughs> actors and it's sort of the private version of fame all right christopher walken went there sarah jessica parker a whole slew of people and so in some ways it was intimidating because i'm 22 years old and all these kids are Working, I mean, they've been working for 15, 16 years, and I have a lot of catching up to do. Right. But it was it was cool. At the same time, it was lovely to go to school with my cousin every day and have that time with her and make a living and then train really well with an amazing acting teacher named Joan Rosenfels, who had a whole 
it was a large variety of actors who were working in New York on Broadway, and it was a great experience. So you were doing that. Now, are you starting to book work? At any, when did you start booking work? Did you start booking in New York? In New York, I mainly trained for two years. A lot of the work had left town because of 9-11. Okay. And so I trained, and then I was also dating a filmmaker at the time, and I was in his... Uh, I was in his independent film, and I was also in a play that some Turkish ladies had written. And half of our plays were performances were canceled because it was during the blackout. Okay. So it was it was quite an adventure. So what made you sit there after doing the training? When did you sit there and say I have to come to LA? My boyfriend at the time actually, believe it or not, got a job with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's campaign editing his commercials okay. so he was going out and I went out with a group of people called the Actors Connection they have this workshop called LA Connection where New York actors come out they stay at the Beverly Garland Hotel and they meet up with 12 casting directors and agents for the week and decide whether they want to move out and we all went to Dimples Oh God, I end. hate that. You mean the right here in Burbank? Yeah. I, you know what? They did a bar rescue about that place. That owner is the big. I've talked about it. that <laughs> owner is such a douche. Okay, he sits there and people. You know, Dimples is like all these people actually. They they think they're gonna get found there. Okay, and they get like Mr. Belding hangs on there yeah. and saved by the Dennis bell. Yeah, Dennis Haskins. And uh, and that owner, he always wants people to do these blowjob shots on their birthday, and it's so inappropriate. And I remember they carded me one time like ten years ago, and I was like, "Are you joking?" And my friend who was like. 35 at the time big guy from down south he had longer hair in his ID he shaved his head and they weren't going to let him in it's like first of all this you, it's listen to his accent it's a, it's a Tennessee license so so you went to Dimples yeah Dimples I have to say actually I sort of have a soft spot in my heart for Dimples because it is so tacky and so kitsch and unlike anything I've ever seen before and like creepy dolls of Shirley Temple and I mean, just bizarre right. statues, creepy statues of Charlie Chaplin, and then the the owner with the V neck and the <laughs> and Dennis Haskins. I mean, I grew up on Save by the Bell. Oh yeah, and he's awesome. So we're having a good time doing karaoke, and all of a sudden Dennis Haskins get on gets on the stage, and he starts performing "School's Out for Summer." And I'm dancing there, and I'm thinking, you know what? School is out for summer. I'm moving to L.A. See, that's cool. That's <laughs> but that's see that's but see that's the cool stuff. I mean, that's like, and it's, it's cool how stuff like it happens because it's a, it's such the weirdest thing. And it's like, I mean, the chances of I mean, he goes a lot, but you're out there of him singing that song and then you being there. A lot of this stuff is fate. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. So you decided to move out, and now now what do you do? Do you are you still have a place back? How do you do this? So I told my roommate that I was leaving, and I found this amazing place right away in Los Feliz, in Los Angeles, that I've been in since. And I felt like from doing that workshop, I kind of knew what to do. I knew the acting schools to go to. I knew to do mailings. And I also knew that I looked really young, and that was kind of my in with agents and casting directors, is that I could still pass as a teenager. Right. So I did this huge mailing with that kind of written on the envelope, over 18 to pass for 
teenager and got a call back from one agent named Jack Scagnetti. Oh my! In North Hollywood. Yep. I sent him stuff from my <laughs> when I first met her. I sent him a a query letter, and I think he turned me down. And I was like, "But oh my god, I, that name blew out of my mind." It's oh god, I remember. Yeah, he was because I didn't know. I just moved. I was living in Hollywood. Yeah, I didn't know where North Hollywood. I had no idea. And that's so funny. Yeah. So so he you called. Just you just buy the book of agents, and <laughs> yeah. you send it to whoever. And Jack Scagnetti shares his office with a limousine company. That's awesome. And his actual office is a tiny, like smaller than this little studio. And it's covered from floor to ceiling with scripts with one tiny path to his desk. That's so classic. That's like that's like old school. That's movie yeah. stuff. And he did not know how to use email. He decided he wanted to represent me. He didn't know how to use email. So he would, on the occasional moment he would get me an audition, he would fax me my sides to the local video store that's so funny <laughs> it's so but it, people it's like these these young actors now and i talk about it with the comics a lot how we had to actually send the tape and send this stuff they don't get it, it wasn't always this easy yeah. you know it wasn't like you know you're running th- and, and you had to pay for the fax so you're actually paying to audition i know but i think you have to pay to pick them up or something don't you and the f- i think so and the funny part though was that i mean we were in an era where email was like he could have emailed right, it, but he just was old school. <laughs> he just, like, like, it. had no idea. But that's how lucky you got an agent right off the bat. Yeah, though. yeah. And so he would call me up and he'd say, "Uh, Lily, this is Jack Scagnetti. Um, you might want to wear a a padded bra for this audition because the breakdown says busty." <laughs> <laughs> and then it would take him about five minutes to hang up the phone. You know, it was like that trying to find the receiver right. noise. <laughs> I wish I still had those messages. Oh, that'd be classic. That's so funny. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just that's like the stuff that just makes this makes this business even better. Yeah. So, so did he? Was he getting you out? Did you? Did you get a lot of auditions when you with Jack? I mainly um, would get the breakdowns myself and then submit myself, drive over town, submit myself with his name as my agent. Now, now, what was your first thing you booked out here? Uh, my first thing was a play. I booked a play within a month at the Theater 68, which is Joe Dallow, who you know, where I met him. It's a theater on Sunset and Western Avenue. It's called The play was called The Knights of Mary Fagan, and I played Mary Fagan, who was supposed to be 13 years old. And... It was a true story in Atlanta about a pencil factory that burned down and a little girl that was murdered. And Anyway, I, it was one scene and I was murdered. And then at the end, it showed me being dragged off dead. So it was it was a great it was a great introduction yes. to the entertainment world. Yes. Okay, so so you do that, but they have to be excited because you weren't here that long and you got an agent and then you book something and yeah. and the bottom line is I mean if you book anything, and even if it's like a commercial for a hundred bucks, wherever you're still booking something, you're you're that far ahead of the game. I oh, mean, it sounds absolutely. weird, unless of course it's a really crappy commercial and they keep playing it, and playing it, and playing it. And you don't get residuals, then you're being like, oh god. Yeah. So after that, well, now I know you you're in, you do comedy now, though, but it seems like you were very concentrated in serious stuff back then. You know, I was concentrated in comedy as well. I came here and I immediately did the took classes at the Groundlings and did the improv thing and. Um, as I said, one of my my very first TV job was with Cam- 
Campus Ladies, okay. which was with Amir Talai, who was on the show a right. couple episodes ago. And that was all unscripted and improved. That's with Cheryl Hines' show, right? Cheryl Hines produced it. Okay. About the two ladies in their 50s who go back to college. Now, that was your first, you said your first TV gig? That was my first TV gig. Now, between your play and that TV gig, how long of a time are we talking? Let me think. That was two years. Okay, so... so I did a lot of plays. So you were doing... Okay, so you were getting more... I mean, you were still... You were working. You were still, you know, working your craft. Yes. And I did this one play. The one play that got me my current manager, who I'm with to this day, was called Crumble, Lay Me Down, Justin Timberlake. And it's uh, by a woman named Sheila Callahan, and it's about an 11-year-old who decides she wants to build a bomb out of a baby doll to blow up herself and her mom for Christmas to join their her dead father in heaven. Okay. And Justin Timberlake comes out of her poster to help her build this bomb. So it was a crazy sort of abstract play, but got great reviews in the LA Times, and my manager saw my picture feeding Clorox in little toy teacups to my dolls. And she came, and the rest is history. So she signed you, and then after that, then what were you doing as a job in between this auditioning? Like, did we work, like a lot of people wait tables here, or were you just, did you have another gig? I was what? actually working birthday parties as a princess clown SpongeBob entertainer. You just you dressed <laughs> up as SpongeBob? <laughs> I did. Okay, let me ask you something. Okay, this is totally off subject. As I said, my girlfriend's moving out. And then my downstairs bathroom, okay, I have, it's a, um, it's my SpongeBob bathroom. And the only reason is I had to move across the hall because they were redoing all the places. There are two levels. And so the upstairs bathroom is with a shower, and that's done nice. But my downstairs, I joked around saying it was a SpongeBob, and when people came over, they'd bring me SpongeBob stuff. She thinks that a grown man shouldn't have a SpongeBob bathroom. What do you think? Because she's like, I'm changing that. I'm like, you can't change a SpongeBob bathroom. She's like, oh, I'm changing it. She goes, that's the only thing I'll change. What do you think? I think if it makes you happy, then you should keep it. It's not that happy, but it's sort of weird, I think. It does not make you happy? It's it's fun, but it's getting dated. It's like, I don't really, I never use that bathroom anyway. Well, but, if you're ready to let go of it, then I'll it's fine. It just depends on if it makes you smile still. So you dressed up like SpongeBob. You know, I dressed up like SpongeBob, and that was sort of the worst of the costumes because this particular company did not wash the yellow oh. unitard between people. And so grown men who were just out of prison for dealing crack who were working for the company. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do a SpongeBob voice? Um, you know what? I don't even think. No, it was one of those silent things. <laughs> oh, my God. So, that's just so funny. It's like, and so, well, the princess. Did you talk as a princess? Yeah, I just did, you know, the princess voice. And they and, give you the outfit. And, yeah, and, and I did Tinkerbell. And maybe I did SpongeBob, but of course I didn't do my research about it. Maybe I just did, hey, guys, right. what are you doing? Did you ever have any nightmare parties where the kids were just unruly and just jerks? Um, it was mainly, actually, the worst party that I did was the very last one that I did, okay. which was my boss sent me to a daycare center to be Dora the Explorer. And I didn't know anything about Dora the Explorer. He said, oh, you don't have to know anything. Just put on this wig and this t-shirt and shorts and you'll be fine. I show up and it's an all uh, Latin daycare center. And Dora the Explorer is, you know, Spanish-speaking Latin character. And I'm this toe-headed blonde. And they had... (laughs) 
He must be like, what the hell? They had absolutely. I jumped out with this crappy wig and shorts and a t-shirt and backpack. <laughs> hey guys! And then the the heads of the daycare center were dressed as two giant babies, and they were furious. So two adults. Dressed as giant babies were glaring me down. I can just imagine. I mean, it's like so bizarre. I mean, yeah, it's like these two big Latin babies are pissed at you, yeah. and you're like, ah. So did what? Did you just leave? Well, they kind of shot down everything I did. I did magic tricks with which they like, but then the whole rest of the routine is balloon animals, face painting tattoos and they didn't want any of that they said well can you just play games and then the other the older kids were taunting me like hey dora can you speak spanish and i don't speak a lick of spanish <laughs> and i said uh no i said well dora speaks spanish i'm not dora damn it <laughs> i'm from dc okay calm and down then one of the owners of this tiny daycare center came dressed as michael from halloween with a Michael mask and a big knife and all these kids were screaming. And at that point, they were like, look, here's your money. Thank God they actually paid me. You can just go early. Now, did you get, you here. Did you get fired or did you quit after that? You said, I quit after okay. that. I, I, it was too humiliating. So so then you you get the TV show, uh-huh. Canvas Ladies, after that. Because you know, yes. you're like, I'm done with this crap. I'm going to, you know. How many auditions did it take? And was it a recurring character? Or, I mean, how... It was one. It was one. A one day guest star. Okay. Guest star. So it was one audition. Actually, not even on tape for the director. All improvised, and it was quick. It was great. And so I you got it. you got that gig. I got that gig, and then shortly thereafter, I actually got hired by Tracy Ullman. Okay. Now that must be amazing because she's that so was talented. Amazing. She. I grew up watching her. Loving her, it was a dream come true. I've I've really been blessed to have worked with amazing female entertainers and actors. And Tracy Ullman was quite something because the first episode that I did of her show, it's Tracy Ullman State of the Union. They all warned me like that Tracy was going to be kind of difficult, and that um, she was going to. Well, this isn't a difficult thing, but they all said, you know, just warn. Well, just to warn you, Tracy's going to be in character the whole time. And I, great. I love that. I love it when people are in character the whole time. So she was playing a 70-year-old pregnant woman, like the oldest pregnant woman in the world. And she came in in character, and I picked up right away and started playing with her. And we were off script and having a good time. And the director came over to me and said, you know, maybe you should just stay more on script and let Tracy do what she does. And I said, oh, okay. But then sort of Tracy kind of gave me a wink, like, it's okay. You can, I, I like what you're doing. I like, I like how we're playing. And so she was absolutely 100% generous and lovely to me and ended up using some of my improvised lines. And then at the end... Tracy Ullman, this person I've idolized my whole life, was looking me, like ocular precision, almost into my soul, asking about me, what I, who I was, what I was up to, and then it was, I was like a deer in headlights, I didn't really know what to say, I just right. sort of like blurted out some things, and she sort of nodded and smiled to herself, and then she invited me back every single season. How did you forget into that opportunity? Was it 
just from an audition or did someone see you or how did you because that's that's a that's a pretty big thing i mean because you're with a heavy hitter that's like that'd be like me getting audition for curb your enthusiasm because i'm a huge uh, they're both heavy hitters but how did how did that audition come out i mean were you still with jack scagnetti no i was not still with jack scagnetti when i got my manager from that crazy bomb building play she immediately hooked me up with innovative artists i know the name who um I was actually in their youth department. Now, does that, I mean, it's, it's, I guess there's good points and bad, but I mean, for an actor, I guess when you look young, I mean, it's, it, it must be hard if you get cast as like a teen and the other people on the set are really teens and you really don't have anything in common with them. I mean, is that, I mean, is that, I mean, cause you know, like, I mean, like my, my niece, my, my girlfriend's niece is 17 we joke around but i could never like hang out with her because i don't like the music i don't you know you you, you gotta watch what you say you feel bad i don't know how well it's, it's actually was helpful for me at the time luckily i've graduated from playing teenagers but at the time it was sort of helpful for me to remind me how real teens acted okay. and were like one of the awkward one thing that i did feel weird about was when um you know, I had a romantic interest. Right. That's yeah. Well, that's <laughs> you were like a lot younger. Well, that's funny because there was a guy on the show Grant Harvey who was in um, some show on ABC Family, and he's older. And he was this girl who was like sixteen's, you know, first kiss on the show. But it was actually like her first kiss in real life. And oh he's like, gosh. he's like, sixteen. No, it's like just in your mind you're going yeah. wait. I know it's acting, but it's just sort of weird. Yeah. So yeah. so you do so so your agent got you the audition with Tracy Ullman? Is that what happened? Yes, and um, at the time I was doing because to rewind a little bit, when I was nineteen years old, my dad died very suddenly of a heart attack. I'm sorry. And so, so that sort of prevented me from. I wouldn't say prevented me. I mean, it's all a blessing and learning, and I'm a much deeper person as a result. Um, but I wasn't like bursting out of the doors with complete confidence okay. in myself when I first started out. And so I started doing this really intense, um, these therapy workshops, which were a combination of drama therapy and meditation and um, led by this woman named Dr. Nikki Monti. And one of the things that we did, which was life changing for me, was this stuff called shadow work where you kind of, your shadow is basically aspects of yourself that you feel like aren't a part of you, but actually are, that you've disowned at some point in your life and cast into the shadows. And so you figure out what you want to reincorporate into your life, what your life needs, like maybe a ball-busting, go-getter, businesswoman. And then you create a full character out of this, you go out into the world as that character, and then it culminates into a four-hour dinner where you are that character. Your character has a secret. It has something it wants. It's like a whole three-dimensional person, and you are living as this person for as long as you want to. And once I started doing that work, there was something about doing that work that was so bold and courageous just within my sort of sphere that it kind of broke open the world of actually getting paid acting gigs okay. for me sort of on a 
strange energetic level it just you know made the earth shake a little bit and created movement see that's very cool so now when you're doing the uh when does just i always go off course yeah i just was because i was thinking about that because i know i know patrick was involved with some kind of acting thing like that now when did you meet patrick and when did you do the walk-in show now what i did was um Actually, the very first job I got that I told you where I was the girl in the pencil factory, I was a member of that theater company for a couple years, and one of the men in that company sent out an email saying, hey, my friend is casting this thing. And I had just done a play at, at, this, at that company where I played James Carville. Okay. Because I, I like just doing weird things. I like putting on bald caps. I like... Oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. <laughs> trust me. I don't I, have a choice. There's no, nothing great about well, it. it is, you know? you know, like, well, it is. Even when I was a kid, I did. I mean, and it's weird. It's something about being bald. I mean, I'm luckily, I don't mind being bald. And yeah. I, I can pull it off and I shave my head. I hate when I see people. And I would never get a weave because I, I look at it and it just looks stupid unless you're like... Sean Connery, and you know it's a weed, but it's for or Bruce Willis, and you know it's in their part. Yeah, you just but, gotta own it. But that's the thing about being bald. You know, when I was a kid, I always everyone everyone bought the little bald head, and it, it looked like crap, and your hair would stick out. But so so you played James Carville. So I played James Carville. I like to dress up. I dressed up as like the um, oh, what's the man with the bald and the Mister Clean for Halloween. I sort of was going into this direction of wanting to play men for whatever reason and then I saw this notice saying I'm creating this show we want to collect seven Christopher Walken impersonators it doesn't have to be you don't have to look like him you can be a woman you can be a kid you can be any race we just want to see everybody and I actually gotten to the point where I was sick of going to parties and seeing these frat guys do their Christopher Walkins. You know what's funny about that? And and this is the God's honest truth. And from doing comedy, I know this. And there's so many bad Christopher Walkins out there. And there's some people who shouldn't. And originally, and it's funny because Roger Cabler was on my show who's a comic who's... Everyone says Jay Moore did the first Jay Walk. That's what Jay Moore was known for when he was 16. And Jay Moore did these crazy impressions. But Christopher Walkins had actually, I mean... Roger Cabler said he did it, and Jay will give him credit for that. But you know, but it's so. But since then, everyone does it because it's easy. But it's not that easy because half the people suck at it. Well, you know, the beauty in it is is the attempt in it. Actually, is the joy in sort of embracing Walken's truly eccentric and unique aura, so to speak, uh, because. I'm not sure everybody in our show is necessarily very good, but there's a lot of joy in the attempt of it. But they're not doing that. That makes sense. But they're not like comics who sit there and like they just do it to get a laugh. And like, well, I, I can yeah, it. it's like, right, it's like shut right, up. right. Because you know this show is very original. That's a difference. I mean, yes. When you see comics doing an impression is not original. Okay, and doing a Christopher Walken impression is not original. It's like John Friesen when he does a John Lithgow impression. Right. That's original because no one's doing yeah. Lithgow. But this was just the idea, and you could they could suck at the walk-in because it's just so high it's so just bizarre just yes. to go see you know and i saw like something uh when i think patrick's uh one of his reels um that there's a uh like a kid there was a kid walking yeah and that's that that's what makes this show great when you can suck at walk-ins if you if exactly. it's all about walking i mean and that's what i realized was if a little blonde girl 
can do Christopher Walken, that would be an original. Oh, totally. Idea. So you so did you start trying to do your walking? Were you were you practicing it? I was practicing it on my way to the audition, and I probably was the worst walk-in Okay. Um, of all of them when we began, and now we're we've done it almost seven years. So. And it's so weird because it, it was very popular, it, right? I mean, it, yeah. it, it caught a lot of fire. What was, what was the basis of the play, though? What was it about? Just it was sketches with Walken, or it's basically a tribute to him. Okay, it's seven people dressing up in full costume as Christopher Walken with funny wigs and different kind of vignettes about his actual life, and also reenactments of some of his best movies and also we have choose your own walk and adventure so in the middle the the audience can yell at a movie that Walken never was in like the wizard of oz and what if Walken had starred in the wizard okay. of oz kind of thing and then him in sort of weird scenarios like wrestling world wrestling federation and uh just everything you could imagine, any scenario you want to put walk in, and we kind of do. <laughs> See, that's so cool, though. But, but the thing also is, I mean, you've really paralleled, you've been keeping on stage a lot as you also do TV and movies. Yeah. Now, how did you, uh, I know you were in a play with Ari. Mm-hmm. Now, was that the Pasadena or no? Where was that at? I was in two plays with Ari. I was in a play at the South Coast Repertory Theater. That's where he started out. Got his start, yeah. We were in a wonderful play called Circle Mirror Transformation, which was written by Annie Baker and directed by Sam Gold, and both of them are extremely popular these days in the New York theater scene. So this was kind of their first thing that they created that created a lot of buzz in the world, and we did the West Coast premiere of it. And Ari and I had a very... Um, connective moment at the very end of the show. It's actually about five people in a community room in a small town in Vermont who are taking a summer acting class. Okay. And kind of the comedy of the awkwardness of people from all walks of life coming together and wanting to express themselves after years and years of not really knowing how. And it's an incredible show, and I played a very awkward teenager who could barely speak and who's mortified by the things that all the adults are doing. And, at the, and Ari played a, a divorcee architect, or carpenter, who was in love with a much younger woman in the class. And at the very end, it kind of, it says, okay, play, do an exercise where you're, 10 years in the future and you run into each other and what would your conversation be like and what would your lives be like 10 years in the future and so my character and Ari's character start out in the classroom doing this exercise and then the lighting changes to where suddenly it is 10 years in the future and we're talking to each other and our lives are much happier and we're much more confident people and but not nail on the head just very sweet and the last line of the of the play is you know I always really liked you Lauren and I say I always really liked you too and so my image of Ari Gross will always be 
sort of this bonding, you know, I've always really liked you. Now, what's a question I have for you about that is also, I mean, of course, for me, I'm older, so I've been seeing Ari for from Ellen days. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, he was basically, I mean, I remember Soul Man. I mean, people, you know, but he was, you know, in the movie The Experts with John Travolta. So for me, it was sometimes, I, now I don't get nervous, but I occasionally... I'm like, wow, you know, for me, it's very surreal. I'm like, I watched this guy years ago, and like, when my girlfriend loves CSI and Castle, and he's on that, and then he's in the studio, it's cool, but it's a different thing because we're interviewing and we're talking. But for you, like, even with him or like Tracy Ullman, people have just been around forever. Do you ever get nervous or a little bit intimidated, or you just say, I just got to step up to the plate? Yeah, there is that moment where you have, you're sort of nervous, but then you realize. It's almost like that time slowing down kind of thing where you said, well, you know, I can cower in the corner. I can step up to the plate and have a really amazing experience right now. And I've always chosen to step up to the plate. And ultimately, working with people like that elevates your craft. And it's a huge gift. So what was the other play to do with them? We did Coney Island Christmas at the Geffen Playhouse over this past holiday season. So that must be cool because both these places are just like, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you do walk and it was, I think, when Hollywood Boulevard, I think, or originally, or was it one? Yeah, it was this tiny, crazy place on Hollywood, and then we've been moving around for the past seven years. But you must be really proud of yourself because, I mean, and this is from, you know, someone who's also in the profession you must be really proud of yourself to sit there when you came out here you were you were doing i mean and walking's great but they're in little theaters where you're doing the one with the justin timberlake you know talking to you you might i mean you, you ever sit there and say and you should if you don't that you should you should be very proud of yourself because you're playing the geffen people they know the geffen gets a lot of big people i mean that's that's a big and the south coast i mean Ari was in the, i mean these are heavy hitters are you, you ever sit there and go I'm blessed and I'm proud of myself because you should be. I mean, to sit there to play at the Geffen, you know, must be cool. I do. I do. I'm I'm super grateful for where I've gone. It's been an amazing journey. And so the Coney Island Christmas, that was just this year. Yeah, that Annabelle Gerwich was in that. Yeah, Annabelle Gerwich. We've been going back and forth a while ago. She said she'd do it. And then I emailed her a few times. She gave me a person, but she never got back to me. I want to get her on the show, but uh, but I I saw her post for that. So you did it with her and Ari. Yeah. And, and and other people. Or? Well, the playwright was Donald Margulies, who's a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, and he's a fabulous, wonderful man to work with. And I, it was an honor to work with him and. Then there was Bart DiLorenzo, who's a very successful theater director around town, who was the director. He was amazing. And then the set, literally, they recreated Coney Island on this, on this huge stage. It was quite a spectacle. So it was, you enjoy, was it fun, though? Was oh, it, so fun. So, <laughs> and I got to play... It was 1930s Coney Island, and so I had one of those wavy wigs, and I was a French music teacher from the 1930s, and I had an accent, and I played the piano, and I conducted the kids. It was full of joy. And that's the also thing. It must have been great because, I mean, living out here for so long, and, I, you know, I really didn't go back much, but when I was this Christmas, past Christmas, I went back to see Joanne, and I was there back east for like three weeks, and I actually got to, you know, Remember Christmas because California doesn't feel like Christmas. Did it, were you more Christmassy this year because you were doing this like this timepiece and you're from back east and you know Christmases and from I'm guessing from the way you talked about your family when you were younger you probably had you know either you had a huge elaborate light set or a very nice succinct one. 
like on your house? Oh yeah, it was um, it was different because I usually do go back east. Okay. but you know, it was like from October fifteenth, we were celebrating Christmas. So that must in have been that awesome. sense, yeah, it was very Christmassy. Yeah. So okay, so you did that. Now you don't play. Now I know you were on Southland. Yes. Which okay, I am still pissed that the show got canceled. Yeah. Because it's a wonderful, wonderful show. And uh, one of my friends was on it, which was great. It was just for a small one episode. And another friend was actually, he was uh, got into a fight with Michael uh, Cudlett's character for the last scene ever of Southland. And now we never know what happened to Cooper, which is my name. I'm like, we don't know what happened to Cooper. We'll never know. How, how did you get to Southland? Just audition for it? And you played a meth head, right? Is that? I played a former meth addict, former prostitute who was on on her way to getting better and has a baby and working long shift at the bakery and leaves the baby with the her meth addicted ex-boyfriend and the ex-boyfriend leaves the baby on the street. I missed that episode. So I'm fighting to get the baby back because they don't trust me that I left the baby with this irresponsible guy. So it was actually the very... Next to the pilot, it was the very first episode of the show. And another wonderful woman I got to work with was Regina King. She's awesome. She's amazing. And it was, it was a fantastic experience. Now, how do you get yourself in character for that? I mean, because if you, people you don't see, Lily's this cute, young-looking girl. You know, she's so East Coast. I mean, it's like, I mean, people say I'm white. I'm so white. I think Lily's <laughs> actually whiter than me, okay? And, uh, you know, I mean, seriously, it's, but that's only because I have a little bit of sun. But, no, she's very white. And, yeah. And, and, I mean, how do you, because that's something I'm sure, like, if someone said to me, play a meth head uh, ex-male prostitute, I would have no idea how to do it. <laughs> I mean, I'd be like, I don't know what male prostitutes do. I don't, you know. How did you get to, I mean, was, was it weird when you got the audition? Because we always do, when you look at the audition, it says, did it say method? I mean, did it say... Ex- yeah. So, <laughs> well, actually, I went through a phase um, when I first moved out here was I was getting these roles of, I was in a play called Bleed Row where I played a pregnant homeless teenager. Okay. And I was getting these very angsty roles because I looked young, but I also was older and so I had that kind of Yeah, the wisdom. I had the wisdom and, you know, as I said, my father died when I was nineteen and so I was still carrying a lot of angst and so that all fed into these very much darker roles. So you know, no, I don't know how what it's like to be addicted to meth, but I know what it's like to carry darkness. So, okay. you know, that's where I crossed over. And now that role recurred, right? The Southland? It did. For one episode, I thought maybe it was going to recur more because they're sort of setting it up like Regina King was wanted a baby and maybe I would fall off the wagon and she would get mine. But yeah, she came and visited me and we were doing okay. That's cool. So, now I want to. I want to know. I want to talk about. It. I saw because I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm guessing it's at your friend. I, at your friend. Okay. Yes. Now, if you don't, first of all, uh, it's Lily Holloman. Are you on Twitter? Are you on Twitter? Yes. Okay. At what, Lily Holloman. I will follow you. Do you tweet yeah. a lot? I tweet. I do. I ebb and flow with the tweets. Okay. Yes. Because I tweet a lot. I, oh, I, good. Because I, I, I just I do jokes a lot. Of times. It's important. Well, I, I think for if you're in the comedy profession and stuff like that, it's good because it really learns you how to make your jokes shorter. 
and you sit there and then yes. it becomes it becomes like a challenge you're like wait a second I want to put this and you're going okay I got to lose this and I got to use this thing and, and like I have to get to 134 characters so I tweet a lot people follow me at Cooper Talk but follow her at Lily Holloman L-I-L-Y H-O-L-L-E-M-A-N yes get it right it's not Hollerman it's not Lily we talked at the beginning <laughs> get it right okay and follow her and she, she tweets and, and you get to see so okay and then of course the at your friends now how, how did that how did that happen? Now, at your friends actually did go come through Patrick. Okay. It came because I impersonated Christopher Walken for all those years. Can you do a walk-in real quick? Yeah. Let's um, do a little walk-in. Let's see. Say anything you want. Say whatever. Okay, now I'll, I'll set you up. Uh, um, uh, you know, I don't know. Th- just come up with something. Do you, is it okay if I do something from a movie? Yeah, it's okay. fine. I just want to hear you do walk-in. Do you know who I am, Mr. Wally? I'm the Antichrist, and you got me in a vendetta kind of mode. You tell the angels in heaven you haven't seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who killed you. That's awesome. That's, Thank you know, you. Th- that's that's why I love this job, people. I can see a girl <laughs> who's been on TV, play a character, a girl across is sitting there doing walking. I mean, that's just awesome. And I love walking. I love when he's on Saturday Night Live. He's a great host. Oh, he's amazing. And when he dances in that uh, Fat Boy Slim video. Oh yeah. Amazing. You're like, yeah. wait, that's the same guy. Yeah, we got that in the show too. Okay, so the so the, the the okay, we'll go back to your movie because I want to get before we go because we have, we're, we have about ten minutes left. Okay. I, I do want to get to this and I, I do want to talk about. I Lady can do Killers. Carville too if you want me to. Nah, I'd, I'd rather talk about this. Okay. <laughs> Nothing against. Um, Carville, but then, yes. and then you know the ball. Not as many that, people know Carville. Yeah, it's, you know, so okay. So this, so this, he got so, you. Yes. Yeah, so this movie came because Patrick works with this guy who is named Ma- Michael Gallagher, who has a website called Totally Sketch, and he was producing this film. And one of the actresses dropped out the week before. They were all set to shoot, and he emailed Patrick and said, "You know." anybody who is a good dramatic actress who can play a teenager and i had done this web series that patrick created called underage okay where i played it was like a spoof on entourage with teenagers and i play this kind of weird ghettoed out little girl named poodle with pigtails and a grill and overalls and i spoke ghetto it was terrible but it, <laughs> it was amusing. And so he said, Patrick said, well, yeah, poodle. And he said, get out of here. Come on. Be serious. He's like, I'm serious. Look at a reel. And so looked at my reel, called me into audition. The day later, I was the lead in a feature film. And then a few months later, we got accepted to Slam Dance. Right, which I saw. Now, now what's the movie about? The movie is about, it's, it's based on... The um, Megan Myers case, where the little girl committed suicide because she was so heavily bullied right. on MySpace, it's loosely based on that and the director's experience with his own daughter with cyberbullying and cutting. And so it's about a mother who feels so out of control about her daughter getting bullied that she creates a fake persona online and starts harassing a girl. Okay. And... Um, it's very good. It's it's a fun kind of edge of your seat kind of thing. And again, it was you know I, I played a cutter and I played somebody who was bullied and someone who was very sensitive and inward. And 
So at that point, I was very familiar with all those feelings, and I just jumped off into the deep end, and that's how I tend to roll. I tend to just kind of jump into the deep deep end. Otherwise, if I go to the shallow end, I'll, I won't leave. So it was, uh, but you got very good acclaim for this, right? Didn't you get I nominated did. for some stuff? I did. I, I won Best Actress at the Method Fest, and... The Flagstaff Film Festival, I got Rising Star at Method Fest. And now, what is Method Fest? Tell the people. Method Fest is a film festival that takes place in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah, okay. I was in a film in that years ago. Uh, my friend Trevor Hoff directed a movie. It was originally when it started, it was they had it in Pasadena at the Lemley. They screened stuff. Oh, yeah. This moved out to Calabasas. Okay. And then, and now I don't know what it's it's doing, but it's. It's sort of the focus is on the acting that's right. within the films. Now, did you get a lot of uh, heat from when you got all these awards? But people know. I got a really good review in Variety, which was amazing. Oh yeah, it must be good. Did you still have? Is it like framed? Did you frame yeah, it? Yeah, I didn't frame it. You but, should frame you know, it. No, I should read it every once in a while. Yeah, make you feel good. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's Variety. Yeah. She's at the Gaffin Theater and she's got Variety. So that's cool. So the movie did not come down. Is it? Can I see it anywhere? Yeah, you can see it on iTunes, Hulu, VOD. Is it on Netflix? All of that good stuff. I think it's on net. I hope it's on Netflix. It's the at sign because it's your friends is sort of the fake MySpace. Uh, Facebook kind of website that we're using and so it's U-R-F-R-E-N-Z but we put the at sign on it so that it would go to the top of the list okay that's very smart it's very smart so okay now the lady killers yes the lady killers did you produce that I am in the midst of producing it actually and that's another jump into the deep end kind of thing Um, it's about it's a dark comedy about a game of sexual conquest gone wrong and the cast is phenomenal. It's excellent cast. I mean, there's a lot of people. Yeah. Jamie Kaler, Ari Gross, Pete Chincota. Now, um, how did you get these people? Did you know them or no? Like, of course, you know Ari, but like, did you know Jamie? Phil knew Jamie. Phil is my boyfriend, okay. and he's the writer director, Phil okay. Lairness. And he actually, in one of maybe his second or third feature film, he cast Jamie as a bartender and has always kept in touch since. I mean, Jamie's a phenomenal actor. Great guy, too. Yeah, great, great guy. Doing so well in this film. We're he actually, just had a baby. He just, he literally had a baby on day one of shooting. That's funny. So, yes. It, so it's a group of guys in their 40s who have kind of a reunion of this game they played in college where they compete to have the best sexual conquest. And it devolves from there. So now, who who wrote it? I mean, how did you get it? Your boyfriend wrote it. Yep, Phil wrote it, and it's a it's a really fun script. A lot of twists and turns, and murders and sex, and you know everything. Hot ladies, everything one would want. Exactly. So yes. now, did you? Uh, how do? You, what do you do? What's your job as a producer now, though? My job as a producer is there's three of us kind of organizing the locations and and figuring out parking and it, it it's like it's hard to even know where to begin what to do as a producer i mean i will never complain as an actor again because producing is as i tweeted not for sissies is it just so much stuff going on there and just people cancel and stuff like that and stuff yeah, happens it's just it's pretty pretty intense as well as the fundraising aspect which uh, we're continuing to do on 
the Lady Killers website, theladykillersmovie.com. That's what it is, theladykillersmovie.com? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that that is particularly interesting in terms of, you know, I think the hardest part of being a producer is you're asking a lot of people, and so you really have to open yourself up to receive people's generosity. Right. And so that pushes up against a lot of old beliefs. So you have to change very, very quickly. And that's been a huge learning experience for me and very powerful. Now, how far are you into the movie right now? We're day 14 out of 24. And it's a full feature. Full feature, yeah. Okay. So now what do you have to get it done? Do you have to try to sell it? Now, is that what you, do you have to do that? Or do you get a company to try to do that? Or, or what? Or is your producing job done once it's in the can? Or do you think that the thing's sold? Um, well, Phil will Phil will edit it, and I'm sure I'll be I'll give him my opinion. But I think we will continue to be fundraising until the bitter end. That's cool. So yeah, and that's a totally new circuit oh, yeah. in my brain that I've been developing, and I'm also acting in it as well, which has been fun. So what else do you have coming so. up? We have a way to wrap up soon. Do you have what other any other we can see on TV soon? Anything anything I else coming a, up? I did a pilot in the spring that's being shopped around with. I think you actually mentioned Cedric Yarborough. I I know I, I know of him. I, yeah, he was in it, and um, Jim Pittick from um, um, you know the Christopher Guest TV show that's on right now, Family okay. Tree, and. It's it's behind the scenes of a kind of American Idol type show, all right. and I played a PA. It's all improvised, which I loved. I loved that improvised format. It's so free and fun. It's great. If you have talented people, it's just fun. You can just run with it. Yeah. And so, so that's so you'll find out when that's going to happen. You don't know if that's going to be picked up yet. Yeah. So that's being shopped around now, and uh, yeah. Otherwise, my life is the Lady Killers. You're not doing. You're not doing any play work, or, or is, wa- is there any walk-ins coming up in the future? Oh, there will be a walk-in uh, seventh anniversary show in October. That'll be the October. Dragonfly. At the yes. Dragonfly. Yeah. Wait, where's that? That's in Studio City. No. It's a, on Santa Monica and Hollywood. Okay, I'll have to come out to that. Yeah. That'd be fun because I want to see the walk-in. I know, yeah. I have to see Joey Dallow, who I think I'm going to have Joey come on the show in September, just to talk about the old days of Philly comedy. I don't even know what he's doing these days. I know he's involved in the theater company, but I remember doing gigs with him. He was always very funny. And one of his favorite jokes, and you people won't even get this because I'm aging myself, and I remember I remember the weirdest things, but he would tell a joke. He would say, Grant Goodeve from, you know, Eight is Enough, but I remember he goes, Grant Goodeve is in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous because I guess Eight isn't enough. I thought that was one of the funniest I remember that joke for 20 odd years I remember that joke more than I remember jokes from my act like people go did you ever do that joke I'm like I forgot about it so now where can people people can find you on Twitter they can find me on Twitter they can find me on Facebook Lily Holloman very easily accessible and now can they can they find you on YouTube or anything can they find reels of your stuff or they oh yeah I mean if you go on IMDB you can see my reel and she's got a very impressive uh, IMDB page people so that's always you know she's legit she's not one of these people who goes oh yeah I'm an actor and they have like like they never heard of anything but anyway, I want to thank you for coming on. It was fun. Thanks for having I'm me. Glad it was I got to really, meet you. Really fun. I heard her name as I said so many times. So please check her out. Follow her. L I L Y H O L L E M A N. 
Yes. At Twitter. And people follow me at Twitter, at Cooper Talk. I always tweet, uh, at Cooper Talk. Also, do me a favor, send me an email, cooper at indie100.com, I-N-D-I-E-100.com. I love to hear what, you know, some feedback on the show, and if you want special guests. Uh, we have some great shows coming up. I have uh, Roy Wood Jr. from Sullivan & Sons coming on, and a very funny Philadelphia comic who now lives in New York and hopes for Wanda Syke, Keith Robinson, who's uh, just a powerhouse of comedy. Also, if you go to coopertalk.net, I have about 175, 180 episodes up. You can also find them on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Just type in one word, Cooper Talk. And you can usually find me, if you follow me on Twitter, usually every Thursday night at midnight our time, 3 a.m. Uh, East Coast time. I'm on, uh, I have a 15-minute segment on Philly Sports Radio, WIP on the Big Daddy Graham Show. So check that out. I talk Hollywood. It's just fun, and I talk about my roots. Anyway, I'm going to thank you, Lily. Thank you. Follow her people, coopertalk.net. At Cooper Talk. And you know what, people? It's time for me to eat. I need a new closing, though. That's, I'll come up with a new closing next week. Have a great day.